God will deliver you from all of your fears in every storm you go through. This morning, very early, you may have been woken up by a big old storm, right? We've all been in them. Uh, several years ago, I was on a storm while I was on the beach near Corpus Christi. I was on the Gulf, uh, just trying to learn how to surf. I got a five-minute surfing lesson from a friend. I was handed a surfboard, and I thought, man, how hard can it be, right? And so I, as I was on my surfboard and I was paddling out into the ocean, I had one vision of what things were going to look like. I was going to catch a big wave, and this was my vision. <laughs> Like, I knew it. This was going to happen. It was a done deal. But uh, as I was paddling out to sea, I knew in the distance there was a storm cloud coming. And as I was trying to catch a wave and come back, the current was continuing to pull me back. Now, how, no matter how hard I tried to swim back to, to sea, to the shore, uh, I was being pulled back by the current. And, and I, that, that's when the, the bad thoughts started coming into my mind. Right, like first it was I'm either going to drown or I'm going to be eaten by sharks. And in that moment of fear, I, I had two options. I could wait for the Coast Guard to rescue me or I saw in the distance a jetty that, was, that just kind of like was out in the distance. And I knew if I could maybe paddle sideways, I could intercept the jetty. So I, I didn't wait for the Coast Guard or the sharks. And, and I decided in one panic-filled, adrenaline rush paddle to make it for the jetty. And by the mercy of God, I intercept and I made it to the jetty. And I remember the surface of it was just filled with these razor-sharp barnacles that turned our, uh, the flesh into hamburger meat. But it didn't matter. I was safe on dry ground, and I promised God I would never tempt him again. I was delivered out of the clutches of this ocean and this current, and God delivered me. Now, I make light out of what was then a very serious situation. Some of you are in a very serious situation right now, and there's nothing funny about it. You're in the middle of a storm right now. You feel like you're drowning. You're overwhelmed. You've lost hope. Maybe it's just financially. You feel like you're getting more and more in debt. Maybe someone that you know, that you've trusted, has let you down, hasn't been truthful with you. You feel betrayed and hurt and you're confused. Maybe your kids are running from God. Or you've been in a doctor's office and you've heard a report that isn't good. And now your mind is racing to the unknown, to the worst case scenario. And you need something. You're just like, I need something to hold on to. I need, I need an anchor. What you need is a promise of God because God is faithful, amen. He's true to all of his promises. Every promise in God in, in God is a yes and amen. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us, period. We can trust God to be true to his promise. A promise is a, it's a guarantee. It's a pledge. It's, it's your word. When my kids were real young and they thought I was maybe kidding with them or, or joking around, they would say, Dad, vampire honor? 
And that was code, like, whenever, whenever we had to, like, tell the truth, we'd raise up our hand in the shape of a V and say, Van Pay Honor. And they knew it was serious. No Van Pay will break that Van Pay Honor. How many of you are glad that God doesn't have to say, God honor? Like, everything he says in Scripture is true. He is faithful to his word. Amen? There's over 5,000 promises in the word of God. And over the next several weeks, we are going to look at every single one of his promises. And that will take us about 100 years to get through every single one. I'm kidding. We're not going to look at all of his promises, but we are going to look at, at eight of them. And today we're going to discover the promise that, that God delivers, that God delivers. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Samuel 21. David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. He found himself in many storms, but this may be his worst. He was anointed as the future king of Israel, but the current king, Saul, who was also his father-in-law, was threatened by David. He was jealous that David was more successful in battle. He knew that God had anointed David through a prophet, that he would be the next king of Israel. And so his jealousy consumed him, and he, he, he went after David. He tried to kill him, and David refused to fight back, so he ran for his life. And in 1 Samuel 21, verse 10, it says, That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. And so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the door of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. You may hear this and, and go, that's kind of strange behavior from a man who had a heart after God, who was a warrior, right, a future king. Like, this, is, this doesn't sound right, but David was afraid. And scripture tells us that he hid out in a cave. He hid out in a cave, and there in a cave, the one who killed lions, who killed a giant, who overcome great adversity, was now in a season of his life where he was discouraged, and he was struggling, and he had all kinds of doubts and fears, and he writes Psalm 34. Please turn with me to Psalm 34 as we discover the promise of God. Four years ago, I remember vividly going to see a movie at the Silverado Movie Theater with my family. It was the movie Creed. And after it was over, uh, my kids were talking about the movie, and I had no idea what I just watched. I couldn't remember a single thing about that movie. My mind had been racing. I was visibly shaking uh, it was my very first symptom that something was not right in my life, in my body. And we had just come out of a, a wonderful season as a church. Good things were happening. Like we had just had, uh, we had opened the doors to our second phase two, and, and a lot of people were coming to church. 
but we had it was our second building campaign in as many years and our staff was very lean at the time and we were doing our very best to love and care and serve you as a church and it was just like we couldn't keep up and it was difficult we launched our gateway school of ministry and so i was trying to pour into six future lead pastors church planners and train them up lead our team, lead my family. I, I, I had recently wrote a book, so that had come out. And all during that time, I was slowly losing weight, actually quickly losing weight. And in a period of three months, I lost over 30 pounds. Uh, I couldn't eat. I, I had some pain, and I couldn't figure it out. I went through all kinds of doctors and tests until finally it was revealed that my gallbladder was bad. I had to have that surgically removed. A week after surgery, my, my, my black lab, Ella, died uh, while I was out of town. I had to come back, and, and it's, my life started to sound like a bad country song <laughs> that would only get worse. Uh, it was a week later that a dear older friend in our church family took his life. He shot himself, and the next day after he died, after we were had to cl help clean up and uh, minister to his family and officiate this this funeral, I received an envelope from him in the mail, and it was the keys to his truck and all of the guns that he owned. There was like 15 guns were in the truck and the burial plot he was gifting to me to be buried right beside him. It was it was so strange. And then uh, and then I we we had to deal with a very difficult uh, leader in our church, someone who I personally never had any conflict, someone who I really loved, but behind my back was causing great harm to our church family. And as a result of some very serious spiritual abuse, a lot of people were leaving our family. In fact, over 100 people left before we realized this person was the source, and so we called our advisory council and our pastors together to pray and to listen to these testimonies, and it became very clear that unanimously we had to ask this person to step down. It was a very difficult moment, but uh, my, my greatest guilt over it all was like, why didn't I see this earlier, you know? Like, I'm directly responsible here. I'm pastor, and I, and I missed it. I missed it with this person. And I missed it when all these people, and unfortunately, a lot of these people never found their way back into another church. So I was like, that's on me. I'm fully responsible for this one. And uh, I found myself in almost like it, the, the stress of my body and my mind just began to increase where I was visibly having tremors in my hand and my jaw was constantly shaking. And I went to see a doctor who referred me to a neurosurgeon. And she ran me through a bunch of tests, and she said, we have to rule out Parkinson's. So I had to get this really expensive test. And, and then I remember being here at church, and I just didn't even have a lot to give. Um, and I, we had a moment of prayer for people, and I, I stood right here with my wife, and this couple came forward just so overwhelmed with discouragement because she was recently diagnosed with MS. And I, I didn't even have the capacity um, to be able to pray. And so I said, Stephanie, will you pray? And I left in that moment in the church service, and I walked all the way to our Summit, ki summit Kids room. Uh, and for three hours, I, I just did my very best to be a friend to our special needs kids. 
And later that night, I mean, I felt like a failure as a man. I've always just been like full of faith. I felt like a failure as a pastor. Felt like I couldn't share honestly what I was going through with you because uh, I felt the weight of our having, you know, to like lead the church and like that you would reject me as a pastor if you really knew what I was going through. And uh, that night, uh, overcome with the pressure and the stress and the weight, uh, it just got so bad that I couldn't sleep. My worst enemy was insomnia. And so for about four months, there were times where I'd go two or three days where I was not sleeping at all, literally could not fall asleep. And it was like, uh, it was an agonizing cycle, a death spiral where every night started the same at seven o'clock. I would do everything I could to try to relax my mind and I would like listen to easy jazz music and and try to stretch and like by nine o'clock if I didn't fall asleep, I would take my first melatonin. 10 o'clock, I would take the second melatonin. 11 o'clock, I would take Benadryl. Midnight, I would take my second Benadryl. 1 a.m., I would take an Ambien. 3 a.m., I would take my second Ambien with an extended cap, and nothing seemed to work, and it was agonizing. And I remember after at 3 a.m., I was pacing the streets of my neighborhood, and it was the darkest moment because I heard a voice. And I don't know, like, I've never, I'd never... I lost quality of life. I didn't have any joy, and I didn't want to live, but I never really thought of, of, of doing harm to myself. But I heard a voice that I really believe was an attack of the enemy, and that voice uh, said to take a specific gun in my house and end it. And it freaked me out. I remember just getting on the phone and calling some pastor friends here in our church, and I shared what had happened, they immediately came to the house and they took every gun uh, from, from me and in our house and they said, you need to get help. And so I called a Christian counselor. I'd never really gone to see a counselor before. And I left a voicemail saying I need help. And the next day I went in for counseling and this Christian counselor, after hearing my story and asked a series of questions, uh, said, you, you are in serious trouble, and I'm recommending that you go out of state to a treatment center specifically for pastors who are burned out and that you get help. And so I booked an airline ticket, and, uh, and I remember being at the airport, and it was, it was tough, and I, I was just so desperate for, like, God, I need something. I need, I need you. I need to know that I'm not alone. I need your promise. And I, and I was listening to this playlist, and a hymn came on by Shane and Shane, and it was Psalm 34, the very song that we just sang earlier in our service. And, and based on that song, I opened up to Psalm 34, and I was so desperate, and I said, God, I need help. And I read the words, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's like David actually prayed during the good times and bad. It says, how often did he, he bless the name of the Lord? All times, right? Continually. And so I, I was reminded that praise is a choice that, yes, we praise God during the good times. And it's easy, isn't it? When things are going well, when you're healthy and you're full of joy, it's easy to lift up the name of Jesus and to sing his praises. 
But when we don't feel like it and you're going through a difficult time, you just don't feel like it sometimes. But it's those times by faith that we should and we must praise the name of the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of worship. We praise him when the sun is out and we praise him when the storm clouds come in. We praise him when finances are good. We praise him when finances are bad. We praise him when our health is good and we praise him when we are sick because he's worthy of our praise. In verse 2 it says, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Although I never uh, would want to go through my... That, that dark season, my dark night of the soul ever again, I'm grateful for what God did in my life and, and character during that time. There was a, a refining, a brokenness that happened uh, prior to this season. There was perhaps uh, maybe a default where I would minister in my own strength and go at a pace that was not sustainable. But I learned in brokenness that, that the Lord caused me to have some humility and learn to walk in the Spirit in a way that was a pace that glorified Him and to minister in the grace of the Lord and not my own strength, the supernatural strength that was beautiful. But, but the Lord rooted out all kinds of pride in my life that I didn't see before, conversations that I had with people, the tone that I had with people. And He was preparing me for the future. So I'm grateful for that season in my life and what he did in my character. And I know that when you go through and he allows seasons of trial and difficulty, that, that you, you have to trust that there's a, a character development in your life that probably can't happen any other way. In verse 3, David gives the first of ten commands in this psalm. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name Together. Now, many theologians believe that David was not alone in this cave. He had friends together. So he said, hey, when it's easy to look on how bad things are, there's a moment that David draws a line in the sand and says, we're going to exalt the name of Jesus. We're going to lift up his name and we're going to do it together. During storms, the tendency is to want to isolate ourselves. And it's very, very bad if we do that. We know that no one understands what we're going through, and, and that's when the enemy can do a number on us. This is the time that we need to draw close to fellowship, draw close to our Christian brothers and sisters in a small group, in a church family with people that we love that can encourage us and pray with us and surround us. And a lot of times it's people's presence. They don't have to say anything. Sometimes it's better if they don't say anything, but just their presence can give such a supernatural support through the body of Christ, amen? So we need to lean into other people. And then verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. David's remembering and even in this time, he's like, I, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me. How many of you are grateful that you know that the Lord hears your prayers, that he answers out to your cries, amen? We need to remember those times to build our faith in the Lord. And here's the great testimony. And he did what? He delivered me from how many of his fears? All of his fears, right? Every fear that he had. Fear is not a bad thing. It's a common human emotion. 
When we have those fears, however, if we obsess on it, if we start to do worst case scenario and we just think about it and dwell on it, that becomes worry that, that results in anxiety and depression, which is not healthy, right? But, but God wants to deliver us from all of my fears. I, I search the scriptures and biblically, God delivers us from certain fears. In the Bible, we can discover that God delivers us from the fear of man, from the fear of other people. God delivers us from the fear of future. He delivers us from the fear of danger. He delivers us from the fear of evil. He delivers us from the fear of war. And he delivers us from the fear of our enemies. We serve, worship, and love a God who delivers us from all of our fears. Amen? In verse 5, it says, And they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. When we look within, we become miserable. When we look around, we can get distracted. But when we can lift up our eyes and fix our eyes on Jesus, he has a way of lifting our countenance, filling us with joy. Amen? In verse 6, it says, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Then in verse 7 of Psalm 34, we discover the first of ten promises in this psalm. The first, the angel of the Lord encamps all those who fear him and delivers them. You are not alone in the cave. You are not alone in the storm. The presence of God is with you whether you feel him or not. You're as close to others as you want to be. You are not alone. You have brothers and sisters that want to surround you. It says he delivers them. In verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Then David, you imagine being in that cave with his small group, he begins to teach them. He says, come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have contrite spirit. Many, listen, many are the afflictions of the righteous. There are some who would teach that once you follow God, nothing bad's going to happen in your life. That prosperity gospel is not biblically correct. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trials. But take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? Amen? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are overcomers no matter what we face, no matter the afflictions, the storms, the trials. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord delivers them out of all, all fears, all storms. I wish I could say that I came back from out of state at that treatment center and everything was okay. My journey to get back to health and full healing took about a year and a half, to be honest with you. 
But this promise of God, I clung to, I held on to. I say, God, whether I feel like it or not, I trust in you. I praise your name and I love you. I love you. I would take prayer walks every day. Every day I would get outside and I would take walks and I would pray and I would worship. And I remember the, the Holy Spirit quickly brought this old song that my parents modeled for me. And they taught me when I was a young boy. And it became a song that I began to sing that really helped me just anchor into the promise of God. That he's with me, that he loves me. How many of you guys know when we worship, God doesn't care about the sound of our voice. He cares more about the intent of the heart. <laughs> Praise God. But if I could, I'd like to just share uh, part of that old song with you. And, and it, that song was, uh, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Would you stand to your feet? Can we just worship the Lord? Can you just close your eyes and let's just sing this to him again? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Sing that last part again. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. One more time. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We magnify and exalt your name when we don't understand, when we're confused, when we're hurt, when we're in the middle of a storm, when we're facing trials. We know that we can trust you. God, when we're on unshakable ground, when we're on shakable ground, we know that, that you are unshakable. Your character is true. Your word is true. We trust in you. And I pray that as we pray and as we worship, that we would be overwhelmed by the love of a father and by your presence, Holy Spirit, that desires to heal and comfort and bring hope where there is hopeless and truth where there is confusion. 
I'd like to invite all of our small group leaders and our pastors to the front. And this is a time, a beautiful time of ministry and healing. You are not alone. And if you have a burden, you are not meant to carry it by yourself. In fact, the Bible says this is the law of Christ, to carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Jesus. And so would you trust, would you become vulnerable and during this time of worship and prayer, I want to invite you to come forward and to trust one of our small group leaders with the need, whatever you're facing today, knowing that you're not alone and that we want to care for you, love you, and pray with you during this time. And, and maybe God's going to give you wisdom. Maybe there is going to be breakthrough. But maybe it's going to take a while, but I believe that this can be a moment, maybe for the first time in a long time, that as you cry out to God, you're going to know that he is near, that he is close to the brokenhearted and the contrite spirit. And so you're going to feel his hope. You're going to feel maybe just a little bit more faith than what you came here with. And so please, as we begin to sing to the goodness and the character of the Lord, please come forward so we can pray with you.